Hello everybody, welcome to this special episode of Impact the World where we are turning the tables and I am going to be the guest of the show because my new book has just been released. In fact, it's released on Tuesday, May 9th in the US and then in the UK and other countries next month in June. And it's called Awaken Your Multidimensionality. It is Conversations with Disease Book Two. So when we were thinking about doing a show where we turn the tables and I get interviewed, I immediately thought of Kyle and Leah from the Heart Coherence Collaborative, who I had the pleasure of meeting last year when they interviewed me for their Heart Coherence Challenge. And I felt a connection with them and they felt a connection with the first book. So we're here today with Kyle and Leah. Thank you so much for, uh, for doing this. Thank you so much for having us to do this. Truly an honor. So the first book was profound and had an impact on me. And so for us to be able to do this uh, meant a lot to us and things reading this book got wild with disease. So we're excited to dive in and interview you. We have so many questions. So thank you, Lee. Yes. Thank you. This is the first time I've talked about the book. So thank you very much for doing this. And uh, yeah, let, let's take it away. Yeah, one thing I wanted to start out by saying, Deva Primal says in the beginning that she challenges kind of the reader to open to any page and it will hit you right where you're at because this book is like speaking to your soul. My direct experience was whenever I would pick this book back up, the next thing I would read was directly applicable to my life at that time, almost in a strange way. Like, so I really felt as if disease were with me, but I kind of just want to start out with the beginning quote of the book from disease and just start there. You say, disease say, you're all existing in the past, the present and the future simultaneously. As much as you can, enjoy the experience of being alive now. Tell people what you feel you need to tell them, show them what you need to show them, live in a way that lights you up as much as possible goes on to say the purpose of this book is to awaken the multidimensional soul within each of us. So can we just start there? Tell us a little bit more about the multidimensionality of this book. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because they've always talked about how we are multidimensional, meaning there are so many different aspects to each of us. We all have different I guess, sides of our personality or attributes or talents or equally wounds or areas that we're a little bit dented. And I think the way that most of us were raised, certainly in our generation, was to think in a very linear and boxed way about who we are as humans, what life is. Uh, this is the track that has been laid down for you. You will get married. You will go to university. You will get a job. Like, it's all very limited and it's not that those things can't be beautiful because they can but even that quote that you just read it's interesting to me because when i hear that quote now which is them reminding us that this present moment is everything because we have a kind of amnesia about that as humans that we've been trained into it's funny just in this last couple of weeks i know someone who lost their life, someone who took their life, someone who suddenly got a terminal illness and they were very healthy and fit before and now they're going to have to live with this illness. And 
everything about their life is going to have to change. And so because of this teaching that the Zs constantly have, have been talking about and have been in my ear about for 23 years, and then I've been, you know, letting the Zs speak out publicly for uh, 20, no, it's 19 years now. It, it, it reminds me all the time of how precious this moment is and not that your future isn't precious or that your past wasn't precious, but that we never really know what's coming next. Mm. And so that's just the human level. And then maybe some people will relate to this. One of the things I'm very aware of in my own awakening journey as a human is I remember there was a time when past lives were really important to me. You know, there was a period for about, I don't know, five, six, seven years in, in my 20s and early 30s where I was very into past lives. I, I was having experiences and moments and awakenings, and that was really important to me at that time. There was some change that was happening in me because of the definition I had around them or my relationship to them. And now I'm like, oh, cool. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, because because I know for myself, I've I, I continue to go through, I guess, new layers of awareness or integration around the fact that it's all happening all at once. You can be in your future, you can be in your past. And I'm also aware that your past life is to some degree someone else's life as well, because you we are uniquely us in this life. That that is what the Z's have really helped me fully understand. We have a soul. There are some memories. There is a history that we bring with us. But this form that we three are in right now and anybody listening or watching, it's completely unique. And I think there's something kind of thrilling about that when you can really meet that. And I think sometimes there's something intimidating or scary about that, depending on how you want to kind of land in it. So for me, that quote epitomizes in a way just one of the many things they will say that seem to be designed to get us back to you're here, your life force, your consciousness, you're awake, you're aware. And I know for myself, uh, like everybody, that, that level of presence and consciousness moves all the time. But if I go back 20 years in my journey, and I've been a student of awareness for 30 years now, I think, wow, I, I couldn't access this 20 years ago because I was trying to move through some of the density and some of the wounds and some of the limited beliefs. So what I love about working with disease is they help me enter and experience that frequency by just kind of leading me forward each time. And then I love doing the work I do publicly because I, I hear and see that for people. So to me, no matter what they're talking about, they're just trying to bring us home, which is that we are far bigger than we realize. And so is this now moment. And there's so much potential in it, which I think is important to be able to access, especially as we go through these very tumultuous times on earth, which they talk about a lot. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I was um, thinking about what Kyle said, which was there was sort of an instruction to just open it up and read. And I read it in a few different formats. I read it through. I also taught my phone how to speak it to me from the books app. I also did the open up a page, which I love to do with anything. And it was funny because I kept opening to things that were talking about the heart, which Kyle and I have the Heart Coherence Collaborative. Mm -hmm. We are heart focused people as kind of our thing. 
doing heart coherence and focusing on the heart. So I loved, I opened up to a page and it was talking about how um, the universe is rebirthing and the earth represents the heart. So I was super excited. I'm always excited to read anything about the heart, but I would love to hear more about that, of how the earth represents the heart in the universe. It's interesting that the, they've said a couple of different things around it. And one of the things they talk about is that what makes us very unique is our connection to emotion. And our connection to emotion is a combination of human density, which I know sometimes we think of as negative or it can be seen as negative, that word. But they say the way that we experience emotions and we have very visceral, embodied, uh, connected experiences of, of layers of consciousness and dimensions and we often interpret them as emotions and I think there's a couple of different kinds of emotions that we can have there's historic emotions like for example uh, you know if if Kyle uh, you were to say something to me that was a trigger for me like let's say you said oh Lee you're so dumb Lee, and like maybe <laughs> Yeah, you say that to me and maybe I come from a childhood where I was taught to believe that about myself by parents or by people in the, you know, school and it's a wound I'm carrying. It's like a fear and you you touch, you say something and my emotion comes from within because it's old. It's like, oh, that's an emotion that's a weight in me that I haven't yet got to a place or a situation in my life where I can release it. Then there's the other kinds of emotions, which is free flowing. Uh, you know, you just uh, you see something beautiful and you have enough openness in your heart that no matter what was happening an hour ago, you can just go, wow, look at those birds flying across the sky. And there's just this kind of heart wonder about, wow, we're alive. And look, there's life happening right in front of us. And oh, there's my there's the tax man on the phone again and uh, accountant or, you know, whatever it was that was a little, uh, uh, you know, an hour ago. So I think I, I feel that we we have these layers of emotionality that we have often been i think taught are the heart in traditional human teaching whereas i think spiritual teachings have always for you know thousands of years told us it, it's it's ephemeral and it's here and it's it's out here so when i think of what you guys stand for and are being ambassadors of with heart coherence you're really holding a space for, we have these incredible hearts, they can be human, but there is also a real spiritual intelligence to this heart that we're reopening and reawakening. And it, you know, it takes work sometimes, we've got to let go of old stuff and density and disease will say, a lot of the emotions that very sensitive people feel can be picked up from the collective. They say that each of us are here to have a very uniquely focused emotional and heart-based journey. So for example, maybe you're here to overcome heartbreak. And so you'll have lots of situations of heartbreak that you learn to experience differently because you really want to move from heart wounds and heart shutdown. So to do that, you go, God, I had a really tough 25 years. First 25 years of my life were just full of heartbreak. And the way I used to respond was to get depressed or like hide in my room or whatever it was. And now I'm 45 and I can go, wow, that's cool. I, I no longer have that same response. Disease will say that's your personal journey.
but you're also creating a healed energy template and a journey in your energy field that others can feel and that you are seeding on the earth. So they say a couple of things about the earth and heart and emotionality. And they say the consciousness is rising on earth, which is causing quite a energetic war in a way between the old controlling let's keep humans in a box stuff that's on the planet, which has been here for thousands and thousands of years, they say, and was seeded a long time ago, that more of us are beginning to question, go against, see, heal. But then they also say that it's really important that we embody that consciousness. And the way to do it is to run it through your human system. And that's what can push out the wounded areas and create space in the body where we can, we can remember, oh, yeah, I'm a human, but I'm also a spiritual cosmic being. And we were taught to forget that part. So it doesn't mean you have to run off to an ashram and never speak to your family again because you think they're too dense. Uh, it, 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 you, can, you can still be a human, but it, it's just that we, we forgot. We were, we were taught to be amnesiac about our true spiritual nature. And so this is a time on earth where the focus on heart and the focus on consciousness is going to be really important for you know, people like yourselves and what you're doing. And, and then, of course, not necessarily people who are leaders for groups in, in a public way, but just you know, the way you show up when you sit in the back of the taxi. And you can tell that the person's a bit down and you're feeling pretty resourced. And so you can just kind of just you know, be heart present with them and see if that has an effect or even not towards another person, just walking through the forest in your open heart, you're seeding a trail as you go. So those are just a couple of the things they talk about. Yeah, I want to take exactly what you were just talking about a step further. In the book, the Z's say it's important to, it's more important to be a connected person, like you were just saying, than an admired one. Societally, it, I feel like we want to be admired, but really, the Z's are saying it's so much more important to be connected. And I feel that. I feel like that's a good goal for us all to have. Yeah, because if you think about it, uh, admiration, it, it will be really useful if you have a wound of low self-esteem, like the first few times it happens. But it's not very nutritional because right. it's not really yours. Like someone else's admiration, unless you're kind of in a dance with them and you're, you're feeding off them, you know, you see that. You'll see people who need their ego fed by certain people. But of course, they're always starving because they're not actually getting any nutrition. Because if, if, if admiration from people can give you the gift of um, your low self-esteem or feeling that no one will ever admire you, if once it's rebalanced that in you, other people's admiration is, is theirs. It's not, it's not really anything you should try and take and run through your own body um, because it, it's very sweet and everything, but it's, it's not yours. So... To me, I think there is a, a stage for all of us, for our egos and our, our energy bodies where, you know, we heal things, but then you heal things and, and you let go. You're not going to come back to an even more rigid identity. You're actually going to continually let go of the identity to some degree so that you can just be present and uh, a little less affected by all of that human stuff. And yet it's so true, isn't it, that we 
we've all been sold a bill of goods that same story we were told well go to university get married uh, do you know here's the path for you and you know if you earn enough money that you can go on holiday once a year for two weeks or and i'm talking about my childhood you know i'm i'm aware that people listening to this will have grown up through different cultures but that was the path i was shown you work hard and if you're lucky you know you can afford to go on holiday for two weeks a year to a beach and remember i i, I lived in england so the weather is not anything to write home about until it's summer and that was kind of what we were shown and yet i think what's really interesting i always paid attention to the people who were uh wealthy and successful who would tell us yeah I mean, it, it's cool for, you know, the first three months and yeah, I went out and bought all the cars I wanted. And then I realized, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not nutritional. It's not actually presence, connection, being with people. I think it's tricky because the, we have a lot of wounds around success and around money, understandably, because we've got such a stacked system at the moment where, you know, there's a few at the top with all the resources and then most of the rest of us aren't in that place. I think it's interesting to notice how judgmental people get when they hear people tell those stories. Oh, it's all right for you to say because you're rich. And I, and I understand that attitude if you're struggling, but actually they are giving you a true message because at a certain point, what more do you need in terms of resources, admiration, success? I think if anything, what it, what it can free you to is to make you go, oh, actually what is really important is spending that time with my mom or my best friend, or being able to look up in the sky and see the birds, that, that that's actually the value of life rather than this kind of organized system we were sold. So, and, and this is a tricky time because we're, many of us grew up in that system and we're sometimes very awkwardly, understandably having to learn to create something new, even while the current system has a real stranglehold over certain things. So we're in this era of change and transformation that's that's tricky. Yeah, I feel like disease talk a lot about concepts that we sort of just assume are true. One of them is people are always talking about fear and love. It's like there's only two things, fear and love. And we all know avoid fear, like we're afraid of being afraid. So it's not really doesn't even work or love. But what is, is there a purpose to both of those? I love that you bring that up because it is interesting. And I think in your question, you raise a really good point about our black and white world, which we're seeing right now. There's all this black and white thinking and it's being um, encouraged. You know, this group should attack this group, this group. And it's like, oh, God, you know, that's so that's not multidimensional. There's no gray. Uh, we need to leave room for nuance. Otherwise, we're in a, what I call a war mentality. If you're black and white thinking, you're in the war energy, which we've all grown up in and we've all been taught. Um, so fear and love, it's interesting hearing you ask that question that way, because I think one of the things you get better at doing, the more you explore your own awareness, explore who you are, explore some of your, you know, some of your isms and schisms and go, oh, I tend to have a bit of a reaction when this happens. So now I know that about myself. I can choose to start to learn how to react differently or how to support myself when I have that reaction. So we're, we have the opportunity to come to know ourselves. And when we know ourselves, we can 
support or expand ourselves, you know, one of the two. And I think it's interesting because if you can sit with your fear, it will move. But if you respond from your fear through action or behavior, you tend to just prolong the fear. Like you, you know, you're, you're afraid of somebody, so you act or behave in a way towards them that kind of ripples that energy towards them. They feel it, then they've got it, then they throw it back at you. It's like a, you know, it's like a tennis match. But what the Z's say is, you know, fear is useful. Like it, it can be, um, but it should be short. It shouldn't be that you're, you're living in a state of anxiety for 24 hours. And if you are, then there's something in your equilibrium and your balance that needs your attention. And it might be long-term trauma. It might be that you just went through a really horrific week and you haven't quite paid attention to how it affected you. Um, there might be something going on in your country that's quite terrifying. And so I think fear and love to me are simply um, like two opposite ends of a spectrum that we all exist on. And what I have found interesting about fear is whether or not we'll choose to fully believe it. Like, I think it's useful to notice, oh, I have some fear here. And, and I think it's very interesting, you know, 2020 was a year we have never seen anything quite like in terms of how fear was uh, encouraged <laughs> and and we saw the consequences because what we saw was a lot of division a lot of polarity a lot of pain and a lot of suffering from from all sides so for me the 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 love part's easy because that that's a a huge part of our true nature as spiritual beings and the z's will say where they are their octave is what they call oneness they say it doesn't look as emotional as it does to us as humans but love is leading toward oneness. Fear is very much a human planet Earth um, experience. And fear is always about disconnection. So we're either disconnected from our spiritual power, we're disconnected from hope, we're disconnected from the belief that this too shall pass. So I, I've always loved that phrase, this too shall pass, because it's you know, having had my times with depression or fear or um, anxiety or panic attacks at one point in my life, like it, it kind of taught me because a panic attack when you're having one, you think you are going to die, like you literally think you're going to die. And I, I had them in like, I had my, my worst one was in a public train station. And there was right in the middle of the concourse. And it was it was really big. And I thought I was going to die. And there was this sweet man who was a little uncomfortable, but I, I knew by that point I had to I had to have somebody touch my body because I could feel I wanted to leave my body. And, and he just held his hand on my shoulder at my request because he came over and said, are you OK? Because I was on the floor. Mm -hmm. And this was like 14 years ago when I was going through a massive spiritual awakening. And it, it you know, it was it was a tough year. And what I learned through those panic attacks was you know, the fear of death, which is a weird fear anyway, because as the Z's always say, you know, you're going to like it when you do die, you're going to like it. But as a human, the human animal is, is not only intrinsically trying to keep itself alive. Uh, we have been taught to fear death in a way that's really unhelpful for us. And I think also we're just not very um, educated around grief, because most of us 
fear the death of a loved one more than we fear our own death because we're like oh my god how will i cope if they're not here and the truth is you'll cope it, it, it's gonna hurt and it, it might take time for you to find yourself again but that is the truth of life and i think that's why you know we we've been we've been done a disservice as human beings as to our true nature in the way that we've been raised and and um, equipped to live. And so the Zs often fill in those gaps, I find for me and for the people who like them, they'll just, they'll say, you know, yeah, you're, you're gonna die at some point and so are certain people that you love. And we're not saying that that isn't gonna have pain or emotion in it or fear about it, but those are just things that are moving through you and everything is always changing. The path of the light worker is constant change. That's what they say. And I notice when I've said that to rooms full of people at workshops, it, you know, understandably, there's like some people going, oh God, I don't, you know, it's like, and, and, and understandably, like, you know, and I've been in that place too, where you're like, I just can't, I just can't, I don't want any more. Or sometimes, and I think that philosophy can be really helpful. It's like, yeah, things are always going to change and it doesn't mean you can't keep leaning into love, but that's why you have to, be a guardian of the love in yourself and you have to figure out how to generate love from within and then find people you can share and flow that with and know that even if you're brokenhearted because the person you used to love sharing that love with is no longer there okay well it's a benevolent universe and you're gonna find other people who you will flow that love with in different ways that's just how it goes Thank you. I'd love to um, touch on something that was profound for me in reading this book. Uh, it really developed my connection with nature to another level. Like I couldn't help it. The disease talked about it again and again, how powerful nature actually is. And they actually say that if you knew the strength and the healing energy that existed within the earth, you probably wouldn't spend as much time looking to the sky. And then they, like they say, there's crystalline structures in there, there's elements. And then they also, the part that I found mind-blowing was when they, the Zs were asked, where have they been between books? They said that they hang out by the crystalline structures and those structures actually charge them up. And then they charge those, those structures up. I, I was just like, wow. <laughs> so could you talk to me a little bit about that? <laughs> Yeah, apparently a lot of us when we leave, you know, this life, this body, we will choose to still be a part of the earth, but maybe not incarnate. So there are there are souls who who lose the identity of the form, but will stay working with the energy of the earth. And many of us have been doing that in between incarnations. It's interesting. I'm going to sh show you here. This is a, a Labradorite crystal. Um, so I started channeling the Z's 23 years ago. I was 23. Um, I was into met I was a student of metaphysics and and personal development since I was about 15 16 but I never thought any I never thought twice about crystals I thought they looked nice you know you go into the store oh yeah loads of crystals oh people are really into them okay whatever soon as I started channeling boom something about like they drew me and that's a, the crystal I got when I was 24 so it's the one I've had the longest and I asked the Z's I said why am I holding crystals when I talk to you. They said, you don't need to, but it helps you calibrate to our frequency because crystalline frequency is, is, is how we actually enter the earth and enter, enter this communication field with you and this energy field with you. 
So I also loved that part of the book um, because I, you know, I learn, <laughs> I learn stuff all the time. Like there's things that come out in these books that are universal. And sometimes they talk about our personal relationship. And I've never heard that stuff before because those questions haven't been asked and I'm not asking them. So when Diana, you know, throws these questions at them, it's, it's very interesting. Why I love what you just framed in the question about we're always looking up at the sky and instead the power of within the earth is, is really important. They have been saying that for 23 years. And when I first heard them talk about it, I was like, oh, no, I don't, you know, I was, I understood the stars and the ethers and the heaven, like that's kind of what I understood or had been trained to understand. And they have always maintained that the consciousness is rising from within the earth. It's not that it's descending upon us. It's that the center of the earth is, they often say, getting hotter energetically and the crystalline presence inside the earth and apparently they've been there for a long time and some of them were put there and some of them have been waiting to activate and i'm not an expert on that stuff but therefore the fact that they always talk about it piques my interest so they say the amount of energy running through the ground is huge and the thing they say about nature that i'm glad you brought up is just imagine you're having a really tough day you've let yourself get overstimulated or your life has overstimulated you either you've spent too much time on the computer or there's a lot of stress at home and you can't quite just get your you, you feel a bit like oh god i feel bombarded by life and i can tell i'm off they always say go outside you know or if you're in an apartment look out the window if that's all you can do or if you have a balcony do that go to your park if you have a yard go to your yard just go outside and they say that you will neutralize because the more you create a new environment for yourself that is dominantly nature in much the same way that water will break our electrical energy field a shower or a bath or being in a body of water will reset you electrically so too can nature do that it actually resets our nervous system and even when we aren't aware of it we start to lean into the rhythm and the heartbeat of nature rather than the rhythm and the heartbeat of technology, all the human emotions, the stress that our nervous system is pumping through us in our, as our response to what we're in. So they've been talking about that since the beginning, and it's been interesting for me as a human being to uh, come to understand that more experientially. Like now I really get it when they, because I experience it, but when they first started talking about it, it was like, oh, Maybe I should go outside, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, also when I first started hearing from them, I, my ability to manage my own stress was, was not what it is now, of course. Thank you. Um, I would love to go back to what you were talking about before Kyle asked his question. You were starting to talk about grief. And mm. the you were talking about how we can get so stuck in loss and grief, but that there's a better way to have a relationship with loss especially like a tragic loss can you talk yeah. more about that it's interesting so we, you know we're currently working on book four we're talking about book two today and book three will be uh demystifying reincarnation and karma oh. and book four i'm not sure what the exact title is but it's it's along the lines of the spiritual power of death dying and grief 
And, you know, when I first heard that title, I'm like, oh, maybe that's a bit heavy. And they were like, no, no, no. <laughs> they were like, no, no, no. It's really important because your world is having to come to mature around grief and around death and dying. And, you know, if you look at all the stuff that we're going through the last few years and what's flying around, it, it's true. We are having to uh, grapple with it in a, in a new way. And they say that's part of the transformation of this time that we're in. So they call grief the great transformer. They say it's really important for us to understand that grief is a transformational process. Now, if, you know, let's say you've just lost the love of your life, you're probably going to be on the floor emotionally and um, mentally, you know, for, for maybe three months, maybe 12 months, who knows, because everybody's so personal. Because also what happens in grief is they say that a grief window opens in you because of one catalyst. So maybe my dog passes away and I suddenly feel guilty because I am grieving my dog more than I grieved my father-in-law, for example. And I'm like, oh, why am I? And the Z's will say, well, because this dog for you was total heart connection with no interruption because the pets can't speak and they're not carrying human density and emotion. So they say, don't judge your level of grief, your level of grief is your level of connection. So the reason you can grieve that pet is because they kept the heart field and the emotion and the flow alive. So what you're, you're grieving the loss of that relationship you had with the pet who could do that for them with you and you, you, you miss them. But equally, they say that when we open up a grief window, all the old stuff has the opportunity to come out, which is why sometimes grief seems uh, illogical like my god why am i still crying about this four months later when i didn't cry about my father-in-law five years ago well because the pet helped you open your heart and actually your father-in-law is in there it might be a bit more hidden to you consciously but that's why often i've 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 experienced this in two dark nights of the soul i've had myself and i've seen this with other people going through dark nights of the soul often dark night of the soul is a kind of sentence we give to a deep grief release period in our life where one, two or three things go off in our life that just send us into a complete grief purge. And in the moment of that grief purge, depending on the level of support you're able to find, receive, give yourself, uh, that's going to feel, you know, quite tumultuous and can be very, very difficult. But when the grief period is done and the storm clouds start to clear and you start to see sun coming through, you are never the same person again. Because of that grief journey, because of the loss of that person, because of the grief window that opened in you and everything that poured out of you, your frequency has changed. So they call grief the great transformer and they say the traditional fear of death on the planet is a little strange to them because the death and birth window are the same. We come in from spirit in birth and we leave back to spirit through death. And, and having, been, having been present for birth and death in my own life, the frequency was so similar. Like when someone literally passes over and when you meet a baby, I, I have never been at an actual birth of a baby, but I was there an hour afterwards. There was this, en this spiritual energy in, in, in both of those spaces. 
And so grief is the great transformer because it really makes us very present. It's why people will say, I'm really raw with grief right now, but they might feel very, very alive and heightened in a way they don't normally because they've really brushed up against that window through which we all enter and that window through which we'll all return because of the connection they had to that lost loved one who's gone through the window ahead of them. But in our attachment to them, we get as close to that window as we can. And it opens us. Yeah, there was um, some also incredible insights in regards to channeling that I found uh, very useful. One was that the disease basically said, spirit beings aren't going to come through you. I don't know exactly what they said. If you don't want them to, like the, the person has to be willing. And then the other thing they said was that um, it's not also that the spirit beings are flowing through you. It's that the human is expending that consciousness to allow this to happen, which I thought was cool because I have had my own viewpoint of like, oh, these beings are just flowing through you where it, it allows the channeler to take more personal responsibility in doing what they have to, to expand their consciousness, I believe. Yeah, no, re that's great point. And it's interesting because the, the people I have cautioned against channeling is people who are experiencing a lot of mental or emotional imbalance, because I think, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, and I've only met a few where that that's true for, um, but there are certain people I'm like, no, you're dealing with a lot of trauma right now. And you're dealing with a lot of mm, mental or emotional imbalance in yourself. This is not the time to try and call in something else because you aren't in a grounded, rooted place in yourself. And, you know, I know a few people who have had um, some difficult experiences, but it, it, it wasn't necessarily because of the spirit. It was because of the foundation in them that wasn't necessarily able to hold or support the spirit. You know, when I get people to channel at my workshops or online events, um, I always say to them, um, the, the most common objection I hear after they have channeled for themselves for a few minutes and they're looking back at it, reading it or whatever. You know, one of the things I would always hear from people is, well, how do I know I'm not making it up? And I would always say, you are. And they go, oh, what do you mean? And I'm like, no, 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 I don't mean you're faking it. And I don't mean you're lying to yourself, but you are making it up. And it's important to understand that it's happening. The Z's did not take me hostage and say, we're just going to take over his body to let this book come out. I give permission. I can stop at any time. I'm collaborating in the experience. And I'm a big believer in that boundary. Um, I get messages from the Z's that I don't ask for about six times a year. And they're usually quite important life things that I haven't yet seen or that they want me to get prepared around. But that will just be, you know, a like I, I'll be thinking about something or visioning and I, I'll, I know where they come from and I know the position and I'll hear them say something and I'm like, oh, and then I'll, what do you, and they like, duh, 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 duh. I'm like, oh, okay. But I have a real boundary around, um, around, they don't have control over me and nor should they. And if they ever tried to, I would, I would back away because no spirit should have superiority or control over you. And yet because of the way that so many of us were taught religiously, um, we were taught 
well, this is the keeper of the doorway to God or the doorway to Jesus. And it's either your priest or, and here are the rules and we'll give you the rules and you just have to follow them. And if you break the rules, you're a sinner or you're going to hell. So we have a lot in our um, society that has been designed to push us, keep us away from spirit. In a way, you know, and I've met, I have friends who, who love their religion and their faith and they, they use it so beautifully. And I know some ministers and priests who use it so beautifully to espouse love. And then I also know uh, the ones that are espousing fear or organizing their congregation in a way that's disempowering to them, really, on a, on a deep spiritual level. But the people in that congregation are exploring some level of spiritual disempowerment. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. So, you know, it's not for us to judge anybody's journey because we're all exploring different things on the planet. And often people elect to go into that to try and clean up the energy of it. But they might have to believe it. 100% for 20 years before they then back out and go, oh, hang on a second, there's something wider here and I'm here to be an ambassador of that. So um, I feel like I've gone off on a real tangent. <laughs> what was well, the question? Oh, basically just opening up uh, to oh, yeah. expanding consciousness. Yeah, and I, I, I think the, the point is, I, I also had a very um, young view of what spirituality was when I, you know, my first 10 years in personal development workshops. And I, you know, I had that same thing many of us had, I think, which is like, oh, wow, the facilitator's amazing. And wow, how did they do that? I was wowed because that energy had not yet become normal in my world. And actually all they were doing was showing me a doorway to something I also could access. And so I'm so grateful for those facilitators, but I, I no longer pedestal them the way I would have when I first went in there, because I know the danger of that for both the one put on the pedestal and the one pedestaling. Pedestals are very imbalanced and they're, they're something to grow out of and grow through. Um, and we all do that in our own time. But I love the differentiation that you're highlighting that the Z's make, which is do not give your power away to spirit, co-create with spirit. It's no different to being in a toxic friendship where your friend tells you what to do and you do it whether you really want to do it or not, because that's just the dynamic you're in. It's no different to going, well, spirits told me to move to Canada, but I don't want to move to Canada. And I would say, well, then don't move to Canada. And they'll go, but spirits told me and, and I'll try and reach them. You know, I'll try and go, well, your body right now is shaking. You do not look prepared to move to Canada. So that's either really bad advice or you're misinterpreting it or you need to ask more questions. You do not have to do something because spirit said you are spirit. So get really good at kind of allowing more spirit into your humanity so that it can all balance. So thank you for highlighting that part of the book. Um, I feel like I am struggling not to cry because when you were talking about the grief stuff, I just lost my dog. So oh, I'm sorry. Well, so anyway, it feels like it could be a perfect time if you would to. I know Kyle would love to talk to Z's and ask a question. Definitely. Oh, so I feel like that would yeah. be wonderful. And then I will cry with my dog. And I'm I'm sorry about your dog and your dog is so right here. Like I see your dog <laughs> just behind you. Like literally, it, it, your dog does not want to leave you energetically and and isn't going to. 
it's interesting. If you don't mind, do you mind me just sharing a couple of things, Leah, what I'm getting? So, you, you know, you sometimes we have pets in our life that we have had lifetimes with and your dog was very magic and you and your dog had like a kind of magic conjuring together like you would really create a heart field and a balance field together that was not just for you two but was felt by others and so in a way there's a feeling for you that you just lost your little ally in terms of creating the heart field um but your little allies going no 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 don't worry i'm still i'm right here it's just it's just important now that you take that next level of embodied heart without me needing to be there as the other the other wheel physically and 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 you know your dog's going to be with you as as long as you want your dog to be with you and connected to you but but and what was your dog's name his name was roscoe rosie roscoe yeah he's he's really cheering you on because he's he's actually excited about the next level of power that your heart is about to take on um because because he had a power about him too and a kind of a feistiness that was good for you to see because you weren't always allowed to be feisty in your life and feistiness was something that you have experienced badly toward you from people and therefore also which is common for us that we'll censor it in ourselves a bit if we if we feel how feistiness affects us we'll kind of dampen down our ability to know that we can tell the truth <laughs> and roscoe was very angelic but also quite feisty and so now you're going to find the feist and the boundary in yourself just a bit more which will let your heart grow because he's not here to play that out anymore and you're going to miss that energy but you're going to find that energy in yourself so thank you for that yeah he's I'm funny i just started crying <laughs> that was all worth that it that was amazing <laughs> okay so i'm just going to take a second and the z's will probably um I, they may probably start with a message normally and then they'll ask you for any questions kyle Hmm. Very wagging tail from Roscoe right now. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Good. A pleasure to be with the two of you specifically because of what you stand for on Earth at this time, which both of you have stood for before. Leah is very experienced at standing for heart energy on Earth and for you, Kyle, this is a new incarnation where being an ambassador of heart is concerned, which is why your life has been somewhat overwhelming in the emotional department. Uh, <laughs> it is not that you have not been a leader before, but you have been, shall we say, a little more mm, uh, in the mental leadership on prior lifetimes on Earth, and you have a wizard energy that allows you to mm, uh, be quite masterful in what you can conduct and see and you are still coming into your power in that area of your life uh, but the reason uh, the two of you combined is because uh, Leah is coming into her higher mind in a new way and you are coming into your higher heart in a new way and so the two of you uh, already had a mm, 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 skill in those areas and the reason we are pleased we are speaking to you is uh, because you are uh, being ambassadors of heart consciousness on the planet right now, uh, for the last uh, two to three years on Earth uh, with Lee, 
uh, our work has focused on opening people's third eyes, people's intuition and people's eyes. Uh, we have had different stages with Lee throughout the time of him working with us to bring the message to groups. But in the last three years, there has been an escalation in the frequency that we emit and Lee emits around helping people open their intuition, their third eye, and also the mm -mm, eyes uh, to see clearly what is happening on the planet. And of course, uh, like with all of you on the planet, uh, whether you are doing, shall we say, public work or not, uh, you all go through phases uh, where different things get highlighted, different things get spotlit, uh, different skills and attributes come forward at different phases of your life. So the reason we are pleased uh, to be speaking specifically with you today is because uh, we always use the heart in Lee's energy field as a baseline for our messages. And so to be in both heart consciousness and intuitive consciousness with the two of you is very important for um, at this moment in time, uh, a great deal of shedding is taking place for humans in the area of the stomach and below, the base chakra. Uh, there is a lot of density and old, shall we say, emotional and mm, 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 energetic knots leaving people's bodies. But the place that is, shall we say, a little more reachable in people right now is the heart and the higher mind and the third eye. So that is why there is often a sense of balm for so many of you, or a sense of soothing when you get to access these frequencies. Uh, it is because they are frequencies that have been somewhat underdeveloped collectively in your culture at this time on Earth, uh, but they are frequencies that are a remedy for all of you right now, not just individually, but a remedy that's needed for the planet, for a more aware, a more intuitive, and a more heartfelt future is what humanity must and will create if humanity is to continue on earth in the way that it is destined to. So uh, with all of that said, ha, we will uh, turn it over to you, Kyle, for any questions you feel called to engage us with. Thank you, Aziz. It's truly an honor to be here with you. I love you. I appreciate you and I feel you. Um, and in regards to what you talked about, about my personal journey from the mental energy to the heart energy, I agree with you. And it can be so hard to get out of this mental energy, not just for me, but as I personally make this journey into my heart, as we collectively make this journey into our heart, what advice would you offer to make this an easier journey? Well, firstly, we would say, do not try and get out of your mental energy, ha, because it's beautiful. Uh, instead, and we understand why you put it that way, and we, uh, we uh, honor what you said, uh, but what we want you to understand is that your mental energy is a gift through the lifetimes. Now, there is a big difference between your mental energy and your mental programming. So a mental belief or programming will not feel very expansive. But a mental energy that is alive and connected will feel expansive. So, for example, let's say you are creating something in your home. Your mental energy will be a great asset to you, and it will come in and it will want to play. It will want to be part of the problem solving, the creativity, the building, and that is a great gift. 
your mental energy will not feel good to you if you suddenly realize you are regurgitating an old or limited belief that you were given by society or that you had to take on because of circumstances because your heart won't feel like it's allowed to be present. So rather than getting out of your mental energy, we would say just keep focusing on allowing your heart energy because guess where the heart's going to go? To the mind. Why do you think uh, the throat chakra is so powerful? It is the connection between your heart, your higher mind, your third eye. And that is why for some of you, it can be quite difficult to speak your truth because there is not yet an alignment between heart and mind or not yet a trust. And when we say not yet an alignment, we want any of you listening who are kicking yourselves about that to notice that judgment you just put on yourself. It is quite hard to have an alignment between your heart and your mind on earth right now because of the mm, 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 training you have all come through. So be careful of judgment. Judgment is what we call a stop sign. Whenever you catch yourself judging yourself, uh, just see a big red stop sign and realize that's what you're doing to your progress, your ability to expand, your ability to go on. So what we love about what you said, Kyle, is you are, yes, in a male body in this lifetime, and you are also embodying the journey of male consciousness at this time. For just as women have been denied areas of their power culturally and collectively over the last few hundred years and before, so too have men been denied the power of their hearts, their emotions. And what all of you are trying to do is reunify yourselves individually and collectively. So we would say rather than trying to get out of your mind, if ever you notice you are very in your mind, that's when you go to nature or that's when you do the thing that you know opens your heart. So for example, you earlier mentioned David Pramal. Uh, David Pramal and Miten, who are wonderful high-frequency channeling musicians on this planet at this time, are frequencies of music that Lee will use a lot to change his field. He knows when he tunes in to their music and David's voice, he will go into the heart frequency. So if he notices he needs to rebalance himself and come more to his heart, he can press play on one of their pieces of music and get to his heart. So. There's nothing wrong with having a strong mental energy because for many of you, that's an incredible gift. What you're actually bothered by is the lack of balance. And you can feel the part of you that wants your heart to get to be involved because when your heart and your mind combine, imagine the extraordinary acts of consciousness you will create on the planet, both energetically and in form for others. Wow. Thank you. I, I feel complete after that. <laughs> so hmm. I appreciate you, Ziz, for that wisdom. And um, I have felt you as I've been reading this book. So I look forward to continuing to get to know you and expanding our relationship. Well, the wisdom that you share is the uh, one conducting uh, the conversation. So all we do is respond. Mm, Leah, do you have anything you wish to ask? I think that it would just be um, some kind of practical advice when you're caught in repeating patterns of emotion and behavior that seem almost like out of con your control. Mm. 
Well, there are a couple of layers to this. So firstly, and we and Lee have been talking about this at length in various teachings over the last months and year. You are in a period of time where body trauma is leaving the planet more and more. Now, you may say, well, it doesn't look like it. It looks like there are just as many re-traumatizing events taking place. But we would say, the opportunity through re-traumatization is to see and know the trauma and work to release it. Now, there are certain scenarios on Earth where you are trapped in trauma, and we don't want to not acknowledge that. There are certain cultures, there are certain life situations that people find themselves in that are very traumatizing, and that is not something that is easy to get above or get beyond in the moment that you are trapped in it or it is happening. But when you speak about repeating patterns, there are a few different depths to your question. So the deepest uh, depth of repeating patterns and uh, behaviors is to ask yourself, what trauma in my body needs more help than my mind or my awareness can give? You can have epiphanies about uh, what you could do differently, uh, how you could support yourself to do things differently. But if you've tried so many things, and you still find yourself compelled to repeat, repeat, repeat something that you know is not good for you, particularly if it is highly distressing for you, or it is lowering your frequency in a way that you recognize is not good. That is the time to go to body-based trauma support. You may choose to work with a practitioner of this. You may choose to educate yourself through books and videos to try and understand it a bit more. So that is the deepest layer of repetitive behaviors. And the way you will know you need to look at what trauma your body is carrying that you have less control over than you would like when it comes to changing your patterns and behaviors is the depth of the problem. So for example, uh, we will look at addiction as a example here because this is quite popular on earth and quite well understood, increasingly understood, uh, that there are those who have addictive tendencies that will send them to what uh, some of you will call the depths. Uh, the term is often called rock bottom. Uh, they repeat this pattern over and over again with ever worsening uh, circumstances and effects until they hit the floor in such a way that they realize they have to overcome this addictive behavior. So, so too is that what's happening for many of you on the planet right now around your patterns and behaviors that you are repeating. But if we move up the scale, a little away from deep body-based trauma that is the thing that's in your way, uh, the question to always ask yourself is, rather than trying to control or limit your behavior or modify your behavior for a while before you go back to the behavior again, ask yourself, what am I getting out of this? So let's say you know that eating too much sugar isn't good for you, and yet you find yourself doing it over and over again. A question that you can ask yourself is, why am I doing this? And then a second question, if you don't get an answer on why am I doing this, is what am I getting out of it? Because we promise you, you're getting something out of it. Now you may say, well, I'm not because then I feel terrible the next day and I know better. No, no, no. Some part of your timeline, and maybe it's your five-year-old self, or your 12-year-old self has an alignment with this 
as a way of soothing or a way of comforting or a way of uh, detaching because sugar has a very powerful effect on the body. Uh, so it is its own kind of drug and it is giving you uh, some moment of escape. So rather than beat yourself up for reaching for the cookie jar every time you feel overwhelmed, if you ask yourself, what am I getting out of this? And the answer is, it helps me switch off. And then you say, why do I need to switch off? And you hear, because I'm stressed and overwhelmed. Ah, so you currently see cookies and sugar as the solution to being stressed and overwhelmed. Are you happy with that solution? You say no. So what you need to do is get ahead of the stress and overwhelm. Where are areas of your life stressing you out or overwhelming you? And how are you going to start to identify what those areas are and bring in other things to soothe you? So for example, let's say Lee was the one going for the cookie jar. He wouldn't get very far if he just started beating himself up or promising himself and all his friends, I will never eat a cookie again. Well, that's not really getting to the bottom of the problem, is it? <laughs> but if he realizes that stress and overwhelm is what's making him reach for this changed state that sugar gives him, and this feeling of escape, and this feeling of temporary pleasure, and this feeling of uplifting himself, he will realize, oh, I'm not giving myself what my energy field needs. So I'm going for this quick hit as a remedy to my starvation in my energy field. If he identifies that, and then he starts asking himself, well, what makes me feel less stressed or overwhelmed? And Deva Pramal and Miten come up as one of his things. Then he starts to rewire his pattern by including the things that will help him avoid stress and overwhelm before he forcibly removes or restricts the cookie behavior. And what he will find at some point is the cookies are no longer that interesting. Uh, maybe once or twice a year he likes to do that, but he will slowly let it go. The more he gets to the bottom of what that behavior is trying to fix and gives himself alternatives to fixing the behavior before he gets to that point. So that is just one example of how it works. So the questions to ask are, what am I getting out of this? Or what do you think you're getting out of it? Why am I needing to do this? Ask yourself what? Ask yourself why? And when you've identified those questions, then start to ask yourself, okay, so what other remedies can I start bringing into my life before I get so desperate that I have to do this thing that no longer feels true to me as a solution? Hmm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good. Well, if it is okay with you both, we feel uh, we have a little message we would like to share before we depart. Unless, Kyle, you have any burning question. No, I would love to hear the message. Good. We know that these times on earth are tricky. Uh, we must uh, implore you to not underestimate that. And we know many of you don't, but not underestimating that does not necessarily mean throwing your um, hands up in despair and running around your street saying, we're doomed, we're doomed, we're doomed. Because if you do that, you will be doomed. Uh, anybody who is believing they are doomed and repeating to themselves that they are doomed and aligning with people or messages that they are doomed, you will create some kind of doom in your human life. Now, if, if you see doom as death, you are mistaken. You are going to die. You are going to die. You might die when you're 95 or 110. You might die when you're seven. 
This is the truth of life on earth. So we understand that many of you care deeply about what's going on on earth right now. Some of you are activists. Some of you are there to help uh, work on human rights. Some of you are there to help the earth. There are a great deal of imbalances coming to the surface on earth that you are seeing, feeling, and working with in a way that has never been before on earth in this way or time. And it is tricky territory you are navigating, but guess what? If you align yourself with your spirit and you make sure you are not abandoning your sense of your own spirit, you will attract and mm, we will say, combine with and collaborate with other beings and people who are also working for the same frequency. And that frequency is your home. Remember, there are stories you are being told about Earth that are black and white, and it is not that black and white. The doom and gloom monger is seeing everything through a lens of doom and gloom, or they're trying to get you to see it through a lens of doom and gloom. That is not a multidimensional way of seeing a multidimensional planet. And there is incredible beauty, birth, and life happening every day on your planet. And there are also people who have the know-how, the tools, the resources for a better future on Earth. Yes, there is a bit of a war going on on the planet that many of you are aware of. Some of you are less aware of it, and that is fine. Mm, you will each see what you need to see at the right time, and you will align with where you need to align. But if there is one place we would ask you to align with, it is the memory that you are not just of spirit, you are spirit embodied on earth. Yes, you are human. Yes, you get to be a wonderful human being having all of the human experiences that are unique to this period of history. And by the way, there are many good things about this period of history. If you could only be shown the history books of the last thousand years, while we are not saying you wouldn't still have some concern about what's going on right now, you would be quite sobered to see how difficult life has been on Earth always in many different ways. And so there are many gifts that many of you have right now that have put you in positions to be antenna for others around remembering that the light and the consciousness that is here on Earth is designed to usher you through this transformational era. And you may be here to see it all and you may not, but that does not matter. The time of your death has nothing to do with the way you live on Earth. That is why so many of you don't want to know when it's your time. You shouldn't. But there is something true to this idea of living like there is no tomorrow, because that is your truth. It is important for you to fully live today. So you will not live if you don't align with spirit. For some of you that might come through your Christianity and your connection to Jesus. For some of you that might come through your rejection of humans and religion and spirituality, but your alignment with nature and your joy of gardening and being in the earth and planting and helping the energy field of nature to grow and flourish on earth. You are all here to be different and to have different alignments, but not one of you on earth is here to disconnect from spirit. And you are currently living on a planet where many of you have been trained into doing just that. Not you who are listening or watching, but many on earth. And that is why there is, uh, we will say, a mm, 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 spiritual dis-ease on earth right now. 
because the truth of who you are has been forgotten. And so many are walking around believing half-truths they have been told, but knowing that they probably should feel better than they do. No matter what your circumstance on earth, you can remember that this beautiful body of yours is the home of spirit. And through it, you get to spiritually experience your life, this world, you get to emanate, you get to receive. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And uh, the greatest difficulty we have uh, when we give you these messages is we know that we butt up against parts of you that do not feel extraordinary. And so you either become suspicious of our words or feel upset by our words, or you start crying because you have a release of the pain inside you that you can feel is in the way of you knowing that you and life are extraordinary, but you are. We cannot put it any other way to you. And the more you start to remember your cosmic inheritance, your spiritual connection and ancestry on earth, and that is also buried within the earth, the crystalline grids and crystalline energies and physical crystalline objects that are within your earth are waking up in a way that is waking that up for all of you from the inside, not necessarily from above, even though a great deal of cosmic energy and visionary connection and communication comes from above. But it is your inner bodies you are now awakening. And so as you each awaken your inner bodies, so too do you awaken a new human soul on earth for a new time. And that is the work you agreed to come here to do right now. Yet that work can be joyous and can be connected. And of course, human life is uh, educational. So you have ups and downs, you have learnings and lessons. But the lessons get difficult, painful and dark when you disconnect from spirit. And there are periods all of you have done that and that's okay. We're not judging you for any time you disconnect from spirit, but we are simply reminding you that disconnection from spirit is disconnection from self and wholeness and oneness. So whatever you are doing in these times right now, make your connection with your spiritual well-being of the utmost importance, because we assure you the distractions of human life will drag you into human life all of the time. But the human training will not necessarily ask you to pay attention to your spiritual well-being. That is what we and other messengers on the planet are here for. So, you are an incredible force on earth, having an incredible experience at an incredible time. And when it doesn't look that way, know you need to reconnect to the light, to love, and to what lights you up. We say that not to reassure you or to soothe you. We say that literally to help you fall down less. Good. In peace and in love to all. Ha! Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting us to do this with you. Thank you so much for saying yes. And thank you for the beautiful space you held for me and for the book and for the Z's and for everybody listening and watching and, and uh, what we all agreed to come here and do today. Hey, absolutely. I think we did it. Yeah. We love you. <laughs> thank you. Lee. Love you guys. Thank you so love much. You
Yeah, and um, everybody who's tuned in, thank you so much. Um, you know, we did this to celebrate Conversations with Disease Book 2, which comes out in the US and Canada on May 9th, and then other territories in June. Uh, it's a book, it's also an audio book. So if you listen to the audible version, you hear the original conversations between psychotherapist Diana Edwards and me channeling disease. Um, so they are the conversations as they happened, and then the paperback and Kindle version are the transcripts, the edited transcripts, um, if you like to read and have it in, in book form. And for Kyle and Leah to stay connected to them and everything that they do, all of the wonderful work, you can find them at heartcoherencecollaborative.com. And we will put links underneath uh, the video or in the show notes if you're listening uh, for where you can find Conversations with Disease Book 2 and Book 1. And of course, all of my work is found at leeharrisenergy.com. But um, Kyle and Leah, thank you so much. This was, this was a real pleasure and treat for me. So I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank and you. Thank you. And thank you to uh, everyone for watching. But truly, go get this book. It's more than just a book. It's a conversation with your soul that will resonate and change you uh, profoundly. That's my experience. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next time on Impact the World. Lots of love and take care.